Uh-huh. Let's get into it. Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Hey. Welcome to the candy shop. Whoa. Welcome to the candy shop. We speaking on things you not. Just press play and let it rock. Hey. Welcome to the candy shop. Whoa. Feel like we going through mad things. Gotta keep it real when they choose not. We gon' talk about it when the news drop. Welcome to the show where you know we don't fake this. Keep your opinion to yourself if it don't make sense. Hola, Podcast Nation. It's your girl, Candidly Kristen, and this is The Candid Shop. Tonight's episode is Employee to Entrepreneur. We are going to talk about all things business, moving from employee to entrepreneur. And joining me for this discussion is business law attorney, award-winning author of From Entrepreneur to CEO, creator of the CEO Collaboration Circle, Single Mom CEO, Contracts Done Right, and she is the founder of the Wright Firm PLLC, Ms. Shahara Wright. Shahara also developed the CEO Effect LLC to help CEOs of small and mid-sized companies enhance operations and execute strategic change. My next guest is self-taught business coach and founder of Mogul Minded Solutions, Ms. Nija McCoy. Nigel specializes in mindset and general business operations, and she helps entrepreneurs blaze their own trails in their industries and niches of choice through meditation, visualization, active learning, and accountability. And last but certainly not least, we have with us Marcos Torres. Marcos is co-founder of MarketingBoost.com. He teaches entrepreneurs how to source sales and marketing through the use of value-added incentives instead of discounts. He has helped thousands of business owners worldwide boost sales and scale their businesses by as much as fivefold. So welcome, welcome, welcome the three of you to the candy shop. Welcome, 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 welcome. Hello. Thank you you so much for having me. Thank Thank you all. Thank you all for joining me this evening. So before we get started in the meat of the conversation, I'd just like to throw out a few stats really quick. I'm a stats person and I'm a researcher. And some of these stats will make people go, okay, cool, I can do this. And some of them are a little more sobering just to put what it means to be self-employed, to be an entrepreneur, a small business owner in perspective. So there are 31 million entrepreneurs in the U.S., 58% of small businesses in the U.S. start with less than $25,000 and one-third start with less than $5,000. So you can really start a business on a shoestring budget. But here goes the putting it in context stats. 70% of small business owners in the U.S. report working more than 40 hours per week and 19% report working more than 60 hours per week. Approximately 20% of new businesses close in the first year of being open, and roughly 50% of new businesses close within five years of being open. So I'd like to ask each of you what you think are the three most important things a new entrepreneur should have and or do prior to taking this step away from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And we will start with Shahara. I mean, I think, you know, one of the first things I ask is why you want to do this. And, you know, a lot of times people say it's been my dream or, you know, they have some other, you know, kind of pipe 
<laughs> pipe mm-hmm. reason that they want to do it, some pie in the sky reason why they want to do it. And I say, you know, listen, those are great. But the thing that's going to keep you doing this when all of those things and it, it goes bad and you're not happy and you're frustrated, that why is the thing that's going to motivate you. So I think that that's important to, to understand, especially if you're leaving a job and you're getting ready to start a business. The next question I ask is, you know, can you afford to lose that paycheck? Mm-hmm. Because I know a lot of times people think, you know, if you build it, it will come. And, you know, that's kind of true, but not really. You know, mm-hmm. one of my good friends always says, you know, you got to eat what you kill. So it's it's a very different mindset. It's a very different thing that happens. And it's not steady income, especially at first. So that's important. And then I think lastly, you know, the question is, do you really want to own your own business or do you just want to do something you fun. A lot of times people just like enjoy, you know, making candles or making pins or stickers, but they don't really want to do that full time. It's just something that they do for fun. And I think that makes a big difference as to whether or not you're going to really try to make a full time business or is it just something that you enjoy? Got it. And Nyjah? Yeah, Am I so, saying your name right? First of all, because I hate messing yes, up. Yes, you are. Name. Okay. You are. It's perfect. <laughs> So definitely in terms of one of the first things that you need to do, I feel it is sit down and consider your time, your scheduling, especially if you are still working, you're still in that nine to five grind. It will be very hard for you to remain focused and keep your focus where it needs to be, especially if like you have your day job, you go out, you're working six to eight hours a day, then you come back, your energy is already depleted. So Of course, it'll be harder for you to sit down and and, and figure out or not even figure out. But like I said before, focus, focus on what it is that needs to be focused on right behind that. I'm actually going to piggyback a little bit or for what Shahara said as well, in terms of knowing your why you have to have a reason that's stronger than just making money. You get what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? So as I said before, even if that is your why, find out something deeper than just that because just making the money is easier to give up on. You go, right. you interview for jobs, you get your job, then you're over it in three months, you quit, you go find a new job. It'll right. be the same thing when you're doing a business. You don't want to start that hamster wheel. This is something right. that's supposed to continuously generate income for you. Got it. Okay. And Marcos, the same question to you. Sure. Thank you. I would agree with both Nigel and Shahara. They're great, great comments. But you know, Another thing you need is a, a support, a support team. You know your spouse because you really have to ask yourself: Do you really have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Which means you, like you said, those reports that people work 60, 40, 60 hours a week. I would say they work even more than that, closer to eighty at the beginning. Yeah. You are good. Do you really have? Do you really have the desire? Are you willing to burn the candle at both ends? Because that's what it's going to take especially if you're like moving from the job to a business you're typically i've done that many times i've reinvented myself multiple times in my lifetime and i did have there was i think and look back at some of the times where i i did have a job while i was building a business which meant that i had to burn the candle at both ends i had to you know get home from the eight hour you know 10 hour day job and then work till the wee hours of the morning building what i was planning on launching and so forth and right. uh, you know, do you have the family to support you through all of this, or your wife or your spouse? If uh, you know, if you're single, it's easier because you're not having to uh, 
uh, it may be easier, you know, in, in certain degree, because you don't have to rely on, on somebody else's uh, dealing with all your hours you're working. But on the other <laughs> hand, if you do have a, a supporting a supporting spouse, then you can, you know, you can you can come to an agreement on, look, I'm going to need you to step up and work harder and make uh, help uh, make the ends meet with, the, you know, with the salaries that you earn while I focus on the business and, and stuff like that, that that you can uh, actually get it done. And and like like the other girl said, you know, you, you better have your why in place because that doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. It is going to take that why to be to be working until the wee hours of the morning, preparing what you need to do to get launched and then go back to the day job the next day and, and back and forth. Yep. Okay. So, Shahar, this question is specifically for you. Talk to me about business structures types. Like you hear a lot about S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC. What would you say is the way uh, an entrepreneur should structure their business and Second part of that question is, what is the essential paperwork that somebody needs to have to be legally operating their business? I am not one of those people that is like a one size fit all type of business entity, right? Like I know that there are some people that just say, just get an LLC or just do this or just do that. And that's okay. not how I advise my clients. You know, it's really a nuanced question. So I really mm-hmm. start with, what do you think your business is going to be in five years? Are you planning on going international? Are you planning on bringing in, you know, equity partners? Are you planning on bringing in other people? Do you plan on operating in multiple states? You know, so all of these questions kind of come into understanding what entity is best. Now, LLCs are the most popular um, type of entity and mostly because, you know, they're relatively simple in terms of the structure. So it makes it easy and I won't get into the nuances, but it just makes it easier for right. most people because the way that the states set them up, that it makes it easier for a smaller business. Right. Corporations have a more formal structure where you have shareholders and board of directors and officers. <laughs> and while they can all be the same person, it's just definitely a much more formal structure. And, and so, you know, a lot of times it doesn't really work for business owners who plan on being small, maybe they think they're going to be big one day, but you know, if you're still making under 250, it probably isn't the best way for you, especially if you're operating in one place. So there's lots of different structures. There's partnerships, there's, you know, sole sole proprietorships. So I think really what you have to really look at is what do you plan on doing with your business? And if you answer to that is, I don't know, I tell you to start with a sole proprietorship, you know, Um, unless you have, you know, some substantial assets that you could lose if something goes wrong. It's okay to do that for a year or two to figure until you figure out like what you're doing. I don't recommend, you know, off the bat that you just spend up dollars to create a, a company when you don't you know, and you're still trying to operate out your own personal bank account and right. you still, you know, don't understand what a tax return is. And, you know, there's just a lot of learning curve that's there that I find that when people create an LLC, but they don't really utilize it the right, correct mm-hmm. way, it causes more problems. Got it. Now, let me ask you this. You can change your business structure as you grow, correct? Or is that not correct? You can. I I mean, you can. So the short answer is yes. I think really the most important thing is to find the best structure for how you intend to operate. 
it's better to do it that way because when you try to make changes, it costs more money. I know sometimes over like, well, you can just easily convert from, you know, a LLC to a corporation. Mm-hmm. Sort of. Yes, you can. But it becomes, you know, a lot more expensive. Um, you know, you don't want to get to if you operate in sole proprietorship, you don't want to start hiring employees. And if you're, you know, making a million dollars and you're still, you know, operating in sole proprietorship, we don't really <laughs> want to be there. No. And I've had to do that several times, you know, with clients where their business exploded. Maybe they weren't really quite ready for the right. explosion. And right. so we had to, you know, create an entity and it's so time consuming. It's expensive. So it's no like right answer and right time. I think you really have to just be paying attention to what's happening in your business and have people around you, professionals around you that can help you navigate when's the best time to make that shift. Got it. Got it. And in terms of essential paperwork for a business, say I'm, um, I'll just pick something. I cook. So I want to start a catering business. Are there certain contracts or certain documents that need to be in place so that you're operating legally? So for every state, you know, there's certain you have what's what we call sole proprietorships where you have at the very least um, a, 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 a trade name or an assumed name that that may they may be used one either one of those terms where you're you know Shahara doing business as Shahara's catering right it's really simple okay. you follow with the county or parish that you're with and it's you know you're in business right okay. and you don't have this formal structure so you can have something as simple as that as you get to have things that require licenses you have to make sure that you're in touch with the city and the county that you want to operate in to make sure that you are having the particular licenses in your state that you need to have so licensed professions people that are doing catering that you know require you know food certificates you know food mm-hmm. handling those kinds of things you need to check with your city and count county and your state so the best thing to do is to call like the economic development centers that are in your areas and ask them like what do I need because every state and every city is going to be very different and as far as contracts I if you're a service-based business well first if you're a web-based business which most people are nowadays you Mm -hmm. definitely want to have your privacy and policies and and your terms of use on your site you definitely do not want to just pull down some other version that you took from somebody else's site and slap it it up on your site because it's a contract (laughs) so we don't want to do that if you're a service-based business you definitely want to have a service agreement for your business so you want to make sure that you have a client contract that's there and so And if you have something where you utilize independent contractors, you want to make sure that they have a contract, but you also want to have a a non-disclosure agreement to ensure that people, those contractors that have contact with your client stuff aren't sharing and utilizing that in a way that's inappropriate. Got it. Wow. Thank you. See, people don't think about all this stuff. They're just like, oh, I can so-and-so did it and I'm going to just slap my LLC or just put the letters LLC and then I'm good to go. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. I want to talk a little bit about best practices for starting your business. Naja, you grew your business completely on your own. You're self-taught. So if you could just speak to me a little bit about the steps that you took starting your business and setting yourself up. That would be great. So like you said, I too am a researcher. So 
I definitely sat down and researched that question. One of the first things that I came up with, obviously, was the business plan. So I literally researched the parts that belong in the business plan, like the mission statement, your KPIs, all of these, all of these numbers, all of these things that you need inside of there. You have to really sit down, really Google it, hit the library, hit the online library website if you have to, and find whatever, whatever documents it is that you can find on correctly putting your business plan together. Once I did that, I sat down and, of course, looked at my market. That's the very next thing that you need to consider. Where is it that you can get in where you fit in, so to speak? Where are your strengths and your weaknesses within the market? Analyze your competitors. What are their strengths and their weaknesses? What are their customers like about their brand and their customer service or whatever the case may be? What do they dislike? Because Mm -hmm. these are giving you key points as to kind of where to start with positioning yourself. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Then right behind that, I would say is considering the, the the products that you're going to sell as well. So you have to definitely look at that, look at again at your market, see what the general price range is for if you are a product-based business, any products that you sell. For example, my very first business was a boutique. I, a, a, bu- a boutique is what I called it, is beauty and fashion. Okay. I was selling like bundles, lashes, all of that. But I don't use any of this. So I didn't know what the pricing points were. Of course, I had to hit Google, look at websites, see what other small businesses and what other even big brands, too, because they are also your competitors are doing Mm -hmm. where they're pricing these things at. So definitely you want to consider your branding, your logos and colors, all of that technical stuff as well. Okay, so Marcos, this question is for you. If you're starting out, and I'm going to ask you another question about growing your biz, but for right now, if you're just starting out, what should your marketing, how much time, money, energy should you be spending on marketing, like your website, your launch, stuff like that? Obviously, that depends on your budget and what, you know, what your what your uh, gross and net profits are going to be, because, you know, I... I you know, I talked about, I say a budget, but at the same time, early on when, when I had multiple businesses, I never really had a set budget because it was like, okay, I spend some marketing dollars. If I can turn, you know, $100 in marketing into $300 in revenue and there and, and that revenue has some profit built in, then mm-hmm. I can keep going. I can throw more money at, 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 the, at the marketing efforts. But you do have to be prepared. I mean, with, with if you have no marketing, that's like no wind in your sails. So right. you're you're never going to get any. You're not going to get any momentum going. You're not going to get any movement of your business if you don't have some way to get the word out. And marketing doesn't necessarily mean advertising spent. It means getting the word out one way or the other. That can mean starting a Facebook group. That can mean trying to get organic traffic participating in local, you know, uh, local events, trade shows, wherever you can be, you know, networking. Uh, Obviously, it all depends on what your product and service is all about. But if you're not, you know, knocking on doors or doing something to get people aware of what you're doing, then obviously you're going to be going nowhere pretty quick. So uh, marketing is, is, in my mind, you know, people ask what comes first, sales or marketing, and both go hand in hand. You're not going to have any sales if you don't have marketing to go with it. Right. And you, you know, you've got to have, so to me, marketing comes first. 
You've got to prepare your your brochures, your your image, your branding, your some of the same topics that we just mentioned. You know, your your logo, your so you've got to have something that makes that that looks your that looks credible. Your site, your brochures, your your social uh, proof. As soon as you start generating clients, you need to uh, you need to generate testimonials. You mm-hmm. need to have some referrals that you can. I mean, testimonials really. You need reviews as quickly right. as possible, and you'll never get them if you don't solicit them. So as soon as you got your first customer, you know you need to ask that first customer. As soon as you make them happy, hey, would you be willing to give me a review? You know, maybe even a video review. And right. uh, and that's and that's where marketing boost incentives can come in because you can usually literally use the incentives that my company provides to incentivize a client to give you a review and uh, you know reward them for it and then start building those reviews that gives you the social proof that helps ask them to help spread the word how, you know again organically help get the word out ask them to post you know uh, on Facebook etc that they per- you know they're happy with your service that kind of thing and. And little by little, it grows from there. And if you're doing the job well, you're going to uh, slowly build up and be able to keep affording more more marketing dollars, including advertising dollar, and then start growing. Okay. So I'd like to ask the three of you, does it make sense anymore to have a brick and mortar or is online the best way to, to start a, a small business? Like some things... If you're trying to have a restaurant, a brick and mortar is what you want or a, a physical space to operate out of. But in this day and age, does it make sense anymore? And any of you can answer that one, in your opinion. Well, this is Shahara. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely think that it makes sense to have a brick and mortar if that's what you want to do. I operate mostly online and I have an office and it, even if I work from home, I still have a place where I can meet clients if I need to receive mail, all those kinds of things. So I think it makes sense. If you're doing a candle shop, you know, you may not want to have everything operating out of your house anymore. Right. So, you know, you need a warehouse and you need space and you grow an employee. So you need that stuff. So even if you're a completely online retail store, as you grow, you're not going to want to do that out of your home all the time. So you're going to need space to be able to grow and have, you know, a place to be. So I think that's definitely true. And it's even if you do digital products, you know, and you add employees and things like that, sometimes you just need space to be able to be somewhere and you can do stuff virtually still. But I think the idea that there is no brick and mortar, I, I don't agree with that. I think it just may look differently where you may not have space for customers come in and walk in, but it needs space for the business to operate. Got it. And Naja? I think that owning a brick and mortar store, at least looking into owning a brick and mortar store is one of the quickest, easiest, and smartest ways to get your name and your, your brand recognized quickly. Online, you have to do too much. Um, <laughs> like talking to people you have to go into all of these groups make a thousand posts a day comment on everybody's stuff pretend to be friendly like you like people and all of this stuff you go inside (laughs) of your store you stand behind your pos system and say hello welcome to my lovely store how's your Mm -hmm. day going and either Mm -hmm. they're going to buy or they won't but regardless they know where you are they see your brand they see your face you've personally welcomed them. It gives you a, a more homey feel to your to your okay. brand, to your business. 
I would disagree with both of you, but that's okay. It, <laughs> it, 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 it obviously depends on, on what you're doing, what you're selling, yeah. of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I, I'm in the travel space, and I have been since 1993. I used to have a 10,000-square-foot office in, in Miami. You know, I had you know, huge staff, huge payroll, huge overhead. And uh, today I run the complete operation with, with hundreds of employees now, but, but they're around the world. And everybody's virtual or what well, we do have some calls. I have a hundred agents in a call center in the Philippines, but I outsource the whole thing. So they don't, it's not my building. It's not my lease in the, that I'm mm-hmm. responsible for, for the hundred agents that work in the call center in the Philippines. I've got my IT staff in India outsourced to India and they, you know, they have their office. It's on their dime, not mine. You know, I pay for the services, you know, monthly, but I'm not responsible for their hiring, their firing, et cetera. I've got other teams in, uh, in in Australia and in 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 Pakistan, and I've got home-based agents in Canada, all over the U.S. I'm sitting on my yacht right now in in, in Fort Lucky. Myers, Florida, <laughs> and uh, so I, I work completely virtual. You know, I could be on my boat or I could be at my you know my home. I no longer have to be at a, be at an office anywhere, and I love it that way. You know, I but I you know I, I do relate with. You know, in my early entrepreneur years, I had restaurants and a nightclub. And so there's definitely a place for the, you know, brick and mortar business. But I think there's never been a time greater for an entrepreneur to step out into the uh, online world in one way or the other, be it network marketing, be it, you know, a multi-level marketing, be it affiliate marketing, be it, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's ways to build an online business today that can be all virtual and uh, having your sales calls over Zoom and, you know, so on. Yeah. There's so much technology. It's so, so affordable today. There's never been a sure. time like it where, where you, can, you can start and launch a business virtually. And eventually it may end up being a big uh, brick and mortar operation. Right. But, but you can launch and start from your kitchen today like never before. Yeah, I got to I got to circle back to something. I have to ask, what benefit is it to having call centers in the Philippines versus here or in other countries? Is it economics? So what's the benefit of over of outsourcing? For one, I recommend you, you know, one of the things that too many solopreneurs that launch and start out, they uh they want to do everything themselves. They become kind of like a control freaks and then they figure I you know nobody can do it as good as me so they're trying to do everything and that's one of the I think the biggest mistakes a starting out entrepreneur can do invest in the right people hire people that you can find on Fiverr or on many other you know uh, sites to find support mm-hmm. teams and hire people smarter than you at the stuff that you're not an expert at you know, mm. don't try to, you know, build your website. Don't try to design your own logo. In other words, hire people and, and build a team around you, including somebody you can access for for law support or for coaching you for in your business. But overseeing right. like the call, the call center. We used to have that big call center in Miami. What were some of the benefits? One, work ethic. Hiring people in the United States of America these days to get them to show up to work, to get them to show up on time, to put in the hours, to put in the effort. And uh, and then not come back and end up suing you later for claiming overtime hours. And I mean, I had so many issues in wow. Miami, finding myself in court, you know, multiple times a year with 
with employees claiming this or that or the other throughout the year. It was, you would think you can, you know, you can't fire people just because they're not performing. You've got to go through all kinds of steps to fire somebody. You got to give them three warnings for the same issue. And you know what? I finally had enough of it. And I had a call center in the Philippines that I never thought in my life would would replace the entire operation of U.S. based my U.S. based staff. But wow. eventually, I taught my I taught my staff over there to sell better than my U.S. based sales team, and hmm. uh, it was a matter of them te- learning my my systems, my process, my scripts. But I found they had better work ethics. They 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 followed you know everything I asked them to do to the letter. They didn't question it after six months. They didn't think they knew better than me and start making it change. Like my American staff, after a few months of tra- after the training, all of them would start putting their own twist to it, putting <laughs> their own, you know, they all thought they knew better than me and better than management. And they thought they could, you know, invent their own way to do things. And before you know it, everybody's doing whatever they want and nothing's being done with it by systems and, uh, you know, nothing's being, <laughs> and then you can't figure out why sales are dropping, you know, it's just yeah. a mess. And yeah. with my team overseas, boy, you know, they would follow it by the book. And they, we did have to deal with the accents, of course, which yeah. made it a little more little more difficult. But eventually it worked like a charm and still does. And not only was it a benefit, and then the other thing was, you know, it was a complete hands-off, right? So if, if the employee in the Philippines is not happy with the employer and, and they've got legal issues over there too, but... But if they're suing their boss or something over there, there's, it's, it's not my company. Not you, right. I've I've hired a call center, and all of the staff that's you know re, that is reporting to my company works basically 100 percent for my for my firm. But that's a campaign for them. I don't have to deal with any of the employee headaches. Let's put it to you that way. Huh. Interesting. I I didn't expect that to be the answer. It was always my assumption that most companies outsource to other countries because they could pay them less. See, I learned something. Yeah, it's not just the money. It ends up being a, a for me, it became, yeah, it's somewhat less, more affordable, but it was really uh, a complete eye-opening as to the work ethic, to the, uh, they love, in other words, in the Philippines, for example, being a call center agent is a great job. It's a career. People go to school to learn how to work in customer really? service and in sales for customer service. And it's a career. It's like being a, you know, they're, they're looked up to in their communities. They make more money than nearly everybody that they around them. So, so they are thrilled. They don't. And in in the United States, for example, call center staff, it's like, a, well, I'll do this until I find a better job. Right. So yeah. it's a, yeah. it's a, not something people look up to, to be in a call center environment, you know, in a cubicle, and in the Philippines, that's the job to have. Nice. So let's, I wanted to talk a little bit about Naja specifically. You're a business coach. So I want you to answer just as an entrepreneur, not as a business coach. But is that something that most businesses need? Maybe not long term, but is that something that you think that an entrepreneur needs to have alongside of them as they're starting this process? I do think that is something that is beneficial, definitely. I think definitely you need to examine your level of business first, examine where you're at, and then kind of 
gauge who you want to work with or who you want to work with you based on your own level. Because the worst thing that you could do is be someone who's been in business for 5, 10, 15 years, right? And you're ahead of your business coach and you get on a call with them or you, however it is that you guys meet up, you meet face to face and they're talking to you and you're like, yeah, I did all of that like my first year in business. (laughs) So definitely, yes, I feel like it's something that's, um, that's necessary. Your business coach definitely can help you in terms of gaining clarity around all of your visions. They can help you in terms of guiding you um, with what is best for you as a brand versus Mm -hmm. a person. You know, a lot of people think of their businesses as their babies. And because of Mm -hmm. that, they tend to be really biased with the work they they put out. I like Mm -hmm. to use Erica Badu as an example. I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my ish. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely very much the same thing. You put out a content piece and you think it's the bomb and it's just like it's it's so off brand and hurts or mm-hmm. even, you know, something that I see a lot of business owners doing, they don't realize that the moment they say, okay, I'm a business owner and I sell this, this and that, that that's the moment that you kind of become like a public figure. So mm-hmm. gone are the days where you can be frustrated with your business and you'd be like, okay, you know what? Everybody, y'all love to support Fashion Nova. Nobody wants to support me. And it's right. like, right. We're, we're not going to want to support you because you're a crybaby. Like, honestly speaking, you get what I'm saying? So you have to learn how to kind of toughen up, so to speak, and not take everything so personal. And that's definitely what your coach would be there for. It's it's not always a personal thing. Sometimes it can honestly be just something you miss. Tom Brady, one of the top football players of all time, has as many as 12 coaches specifically Mm -hmm. helping him with different, different areas of his on the field career and off the field career. Yeah, that's something so, I just found out recently that there's something called like celebrity coaches where they yeah. help the celebrities kind of balance out those different parts of their lives. Yeah. So it's it's like there's so many different areas that you can go into. You get what I'm saying? At the end of the yeah. day, it all kind of circles back around to life coaching, basic life coaching, because yeah. you're pretty much just fixing up your life. You're fixing up that area of your life. And that's and... going to help you with fixing your general lifestyle. And you need somebody to give you honest feedback and they hold you accountable because your friends love you. They don't want to tell you, girl, that food nasty or mm-hmm. it's too salty or, <laughs> you know what I mean? So you need somebody objective who's going to say, you need to tweak this. This is good, but not great. And the goal is great, or at least it should be. So let's talk real quick about finance and your business. Like I read before, 58% of small businesses start with less than 25000 and one-third start with less than 5000 So if you don't have 5000 what's the number that someone should be at realistically to launch a business? And the, the second part to that is if you don't have that sitting, you know, you're not independently wealthy or you don't have a lot of savings, but the time is now, maybe because you got laid off or whatever your reason, but the time is now. Are loans a good idea? Grants? What are some avenues that budding entrepreneurs can look to to help finance their business without selling their first grandchild or whatever? Oh, I got so many opinions on this one. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so this is what I say. You know, I think you need to 
tailor your business idea to your budget, not the other way around. Because a lot of times people will come to my office and they have these dreams of grandeur and they want the world and they have this one point five million dollar idea and they got two hundred and fifty dollars in their account. <laughs> and I'm like these two things don't match. You're going to have to bring First that First of all, down. I feel very attacked. <laughs> I want to yeah. hear that. <laughs> no. I'm like, you know, this is not going to work out. Like, you know, and think that, you know, somebody else is going to fund their dreams and get angry because they're not getting supportive. And I'm like, I don't yeah, know yeah. what funder is going to give you money when you don't even have money to fund you. So, yeah, you I mean, been in your own game. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's let's just be realistic. I started when I and it was a long time ago, y'all. So, let's just be clear. <laughs> you know, I had $150. I bought me some business cards. I told people, you know, I was licensed to practice law and I was like, "Okay, I'm in business." And I just started passing out my cards, going to networking things where I mm-hmm. could and, you know, until I got clients, you know. So it can be as simple as that. But I think mm-hmm. that really it depends on what you're trying to do. If you feel like you need to have a website that cost $10,000 and you don't have $10,000, then maybe you just need to start with a Facebook page. I think people see the end, right? And they see this thing and they want that. And it's okay because everybody starts at all different levels and what people need and what they, what you have comes in different levels. And so I think that you have to really think about that. And as far as loans, I'm not against business loans, but the truth is that especially if you're going to a bank, it's not easy. You have to be in business operating for two years. You need to show some profits. You need to have decent credit. Banks are very, very stingy when it Mm. comes to money. They only lend when you don't need it. (laughs) So it's very hard to get there. There are very few small business grants. There's some more now but I think a lot of them that are out there are especially that are for minority businesses are are kind of I don't want to use the word predatory but I don't really have a better mm. word which is okay. you know they make you do a whole lot of work for a little bit of money so they'll offer you a $10,000 grant but you know you got to spend eight weeks in class you got to take mm-hmm. all of these courses you got to do all those kind of things and by the time you finish that you could have made $10,000 you know with the right. same amount of effort you know okay. doing that so I think, you know, you got to think about that. So I, I just say, you know, when it comes to financing your business, really, what do you have? What can you put in there? What can you get to sell sooner rather than later? And what can you really afford to start your business off? That's really where I would start. And if you can't afford to start the business without financing, then you might need to look at reevaluate your plans. Got it. Got it. And Naja. Your thoughts? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry because of my business plan. I swear I was supposed to make $250 million by the summer. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh, that is funny. But yes, definitely you need to really sit down and analyze your real life budget, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that that that's how you're going to start for real. I 100% did bootstrap everything. I still do. Honestly, I still do bootstrap. (laughs) So I fund my business 100% out of pocket. But the difference between me now and me in 2020 is that I understand that it's my money that's actually going to drop the business. So Mm -hmm. where I was looking at like $10,000 to get an admin. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god <laughs> i look back now as you can see and i crack up laughing because it's exactly like you say it was just the most grandiose behavior but it also honestly helped me with understanding my own finances and understanding how to really budget my money and take my real life bills like my rent my utilities phone bill things like that into accountability right. first and then consider all of the other extra things that i'm able to do definitely i promote wix GoDaddy, all of those so hard it's ridiculous um yeah. because they're the first off for me cheapest you can probably start your website at like $35, GoDaddy mm -hmm. literally $10 a month for hosting. All of these platforms, they're not they're not so expensive, but you have to know what you're doing. Something else mm -hmm. that you have to do too is before you actually start putting your money into your business, start saving for life. Something that happened to me was I was preparing not in the very beginning. I was probably like middle stages with building my business by this point. And I was preparing to actually leave my job. And I ended up losing the job before I left the job. Mm. So it was the start of the new year. This is January 3rd when I was supposed to make my $250 million. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had just got fired from my, my real nine to five. And to this day, I still don't know why. So it's like, you know, life really does happen and you have to take your real life into accountability. Something that I said in the very beginning as well, that same energy that you're taking and you're giving to your boss, something that I was doing, giving my boss 110, 150%. I would come home and honestly, yes, work until the wee hours of the morning, but still was so tired. I couldn't really focus the way I needed to. Right. And then couple that with the fact that I had just had a baby too. So uh -huh. my attention was split in way too many directions at once. Right. But... Now, let me ask you this, Naja. Yeah, go ahead. Are you full-time business now, or are you still kind of working a regular job and doing your business? No, full-time business. My coaching nice. business is actually getting my beauty brand back up to where I want Yay! it. So when Wait, I, I got to give you a hand clap. Where's that? Where's that? Yay! Thank you. <laughs> That's Thank you. awesome. Yes. Awesome. That awesome. was awesome. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. It was definitely hard because I'm perfect and I cannot accept it when <laughs> anything doesn't go the way that I plan it. Uh -huh. So definitely, you know, three, six months in. And I think I had only made like $150 at first with the, the beauty brand. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to just throw the whole business away. But <laughs> um, I, I really sat down. I researched how to market. I researched yeah. things like how to figure out your audience, targeting your audience, how to talk yeah. to people, literally how to talk to people. Because I, 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 wouldn't have, I would not have been on this three years ago. You get what I'm saying? Got I it. just, Got it. I'm so private. I don't like anybody knowing anything about me, but it's all about knowing what to share and knowing what to talk about and things right. like that. So even outside of your technicalities and all of your structures and things like that, you have to definitely sit down and like kind of get you in line first and be real right. with you about you. You can make it to wherever you dream, but you have to yeah. definitely pace yourself and be realistic. Pace yourself and be realistic and have a real plan, not just a, you know, it's got to come out of your head and on the paper or type it or write it out. But I've been on your site. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, Marcos, I, I want to get to you for financing, but we have a caller and Mr. Pook, I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask questions of the guest or just to say welcome. Hello. Hi, my name is um, Pook. Well, I go by Pook. 
Um, I was, I've been listening because these type of podcasts interest me more than anything else. Nice. And for the lady that was just speaking, um, something cute just got my attention in her comments. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make a quick uh, reference to that. Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong. She said she was fired, recently fired. And oh, she no, was in the middle of. This was back in, yes, it, it was back in 2020. At the, well, early 21 that this happened. Okay. Yeah. Did anybody, has anybody ever told you they set you free? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Actually, I told myself that. And it took about three weeks for me to see that it was a blessing in disguise. As yep. I said, you know, I was preparing to leave. I didn't know that I was already prepared. I had myself prepared already. And I was afraid. I do firmly believe everything happens for a reason. I, I now look at it as just a blessing in disguise. I was so upset with it by that point, but I mean, at that point in time, mm-hmm. of course, that was my job. And I was thinking of that as what was feeding me. It was feeding my family, my babies, you know, and I took that personal because of that. I just, right. I, I had the, the concept of job in my mind, right. not even realizing that I had my own, like, I called my, my Facebook, my ATM on my phone. Right. <laughs> and listen, Pook, because that's how you show up online. I, I muted you because you had a lot of background noise. So I'm sorry. I don't know if you have a TV on, but that's going to be all up I'll on fix my it. audio. Uh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so right. the, so. Other, the other thing is, is uh, somebody looked at me one day and said, stop wasting time building somebody else's dream and start building your own. And when you start realizing those things, it, it just completely redefines your outlook on future. And you can't become a slave to a boss that right. has no respect for you. And the, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, they're going to replace. If you drop dead today, they'll replace you tomorrow. My so, send flowers. So, Marcos, your thoughts on finance and your business? I agree 100% with what Shahara said earlier in that you've got to match your budget. I mean, it's going out and getting into debt, especially if it's any serious amount of money to launch a business is probably not a good idea. I would suggest, you know, your maybe some credit cards or what have you to test some marketing and and what have you, but you've You've got to put your dreams, your 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 business dream into reality as to what you can afford to, to launch with your at this point. So if you don't have a home that you can refinance, I mean if you're you know, if depending upon what you're trying to do, but and I would recommend start in sales of some sort and uh, prove that you're you know, your own ability to generate revenue in sales. You know, launching out, out of the blue to for example, open up that restaurant as Pook was suggesting you better have some deep pockets because there's going there is a, a a learning curve and there is a time frame regardless of how much your deep pockets you have before it turns from red to black. No one's going to loan you money anyway. You might find partners, and that's the other thing I'd recommend is I've always leveraged in my life relationships with with yes. you know when I with business uh, associates that I did business with in the past or we were employees together in the past and then we launched a business together. None of us could have afforded to have hired each other because we were all, you know, top level people. But together we put in our resources and our efforts and we launched a business together. And, you know, 12 years later, we're still married to each other. We're still doing a lot of a huge amount of business together and and doing uh, you know business around the world. So leveraging relationships is another way to find the, 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 the funding 
by looking for some people you can partner with who also have some money to put in and some skill and talent and possibly, you know, pool resources together that way versus versus uh, any kind of loan or, or banking situation, which it's not going to happen anyway, because again, like like Shahara said, banks only loan money to people who don't need it. And so if you yes. if you need it, if you need it, it's not happening. When you don't need it, everybody's willing to loan you money. Then they're reaching out to you. You sure you don't need a loan? <laughs> right, right. So Getting more mail yeah. than you can stand. But Marcos, while I have you, tell me a little bit about value add incentives versus discounts and why. Well, sure. You know, the yeah, one of the biggest mistakes business owners can make is trying to keep up uh, with the Joneses on trying to keep trying to compete with their competitors by lowering their prices. So you you want to be cheaper than your competitor and b- before you know it you're racing to the bottom and you've got no profits at all. So right. with marketingboost.com it's the service that I provide. We 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 provide business owners the opportunity to compete on a on an equal level with the big boys with your big competitors. And we provide travel incentives, which right now, believe it or not, is like ne- being used like never before. People are revenge travel is real. Mm-hmm. We're done with with where people are done with COVID, the lockdowns yep. and everything. Yep. And so we we provide for thirty seven dollars a month, which any any solopreneur entrepreneur can afford, the ability to give away unlimited complimentary hotel stays in over one hundred and twenty five destinations around the world, around the world hotel savings cards, restaurant savings vouchers. And we teach our members, we have a Facebook group with over almost 28,000 entrepreneurs in the group that are always helping each other and critiquing each other's offers and campaigns and creatives to, uh, to you know, help each other with launch their campaign or what have you. But we use incentives to, for example, instead of discounting, you know, whatever you're doing, let's say it's coaching, you could be saying, hey, if you hire me for instead of just, you know, a three month coaching campaign, if you stick with me for a minimum of six months, I'm going to reward you at the anniversary of six months with a six day, five night trip to Cancun on me. Or maybe hmm. it's 12 months at, at your one year anniversary. Not only are you going to see the rewards of all this additional revenue that I'm going to help you generate, but I'm also going to throw in a complimentary hotel stay. These are the types of incentives that we, you know, complimentary hotel stays, restaurant vouchers and, and restaurant vouchers so that you can have micro incentives for micro calls to action or big complimentary trips with a big call to action right. and hold the value instead of discounting and uh, you know drop a huge value bomb with complimentary hotel stays. They can be used for lead generation. They can be used to generate referrals. They can be used to generate testimonials. They can be used to uh, close sales on a webinar. They can be used to get people to join the webinar. They can get hmm. people to stay till the end of the webinar. I mean, right. there's so many ways to use our types of incentives or others to right. to grow your business other than discounting. I don't want to hog the microphone for the last 12 minutes. But no, that's, no, that's, that's, that's fine. I appreciate that, especially the restaurant vouchers. I like to eat, so, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So because we are closing in on our final few minutes, I wanted to give each of my guests. Well, first, I wanted to invite anybody who had a question to either type it in the chat or hit the call in button if you wanted to speak directly before I give my guests an opportunity to give me their last thoughts and one single piece of advice to all of the people that will hear this that are on the fence about whether or not to go 
full speed ahead or slow speed ahead or however into the business that they've been thinking about for a long time. So any callers, any questions? And okay. So each of you in turn, and it doesn't matter to me who goes first, could you just give my listeners, the people in the room now and the people that will hear this in the future, last thoughts about going from employee to entrepreneur and launching your business and one single piece of advice. So I'll jump in with what you said Thank earlier you. to give my, Thank my you, final I thoughts. Thank you, I lost my whole yeah. trend of thought. Yeah. To, to give up the, the, my final thoughts. One, obviously there's, there's all kinds of tools today. The technology is so affordable. I really recommend, you know, you've got to ha- also have automation in place. So there's, there's such a, you know, there's, there's so many ways to communicate with clients online today as you start to building prospects. So you've got to be using email, text message, voicemail broadcasting. And these are, are tools that are available to the Marketing Boost members that we, that we also offer that as a, a, an upgrade. But again, with, if, to find out more about what we offer, it's simply go to marketingboost.com. If you go to marketingboost.com forward slash podcast, you can get 30 days of Marketing Boost for $1 and try it out. Give yourself a complimentary trip to Cancun is what I'd recommend. We have a, an incredible amount of resources available. Our mission in life is to teach small business owners how to build their business, how to grow, how to scale. And that's what we do. And we make it super affordable to do that. So we're not we're not one-on-one business coaches. I do recommend you do that as well with people like Nija and Shahara or whoever offers coaching, it's, it's great. We don't do that, but we certainly do offer essentially group coaching, webinars, training, and uh, I'd like to help entrepreneurs get off the ground. And so that's what we're here for. I'm trying to sit on a yacht like you, shoot. So, huh. <laughs> okay. And uh, Naja, thank you. You're welcome. Thank um, you. I would say start with an honest self-assessment and it doesn't have to be anything extensive, just literally basically your strengths and weaknesses. If your strengths outweigh your weaknesses, go and (laughs) what I call it is raw, like what a monster says. So research, analyze the research and then attack, R-A-A. And when I say attack, that's correctly positioning yourself, getting in where you fit in and literally just take off don't second guess anything stay consistent work hard and watch it pay off nice thank you i love the raw I'm, that's gonna be in the show notes <laughs> so thank, <laughs> thank you. you thank you <laughs> and miss shahara so i don't know who said this quote but um it's like it took me 10 years to become an overnight success i mean hmm. i think one of the things that people need to know is that you know it takes a while and yes there are some some people, very few that, you know, kind of hit the ground and make more money than they thought. And it took off faster than they thought that comes with its own sets of problems. But the truth is, is that it takes time and don't kind of judge yourself by these people on these internet streets that are telling you that they made, you know, $5 million in three days. Mm-hmm. The likelihood is that it's not true. It takes time. It takes blood, sweat, and tears to build your business in the way that you want it to be built. So mm-hmm. that can be longevity and success. So just give yourself patience and grace to mm-hmm. grow so that you know that you have a sustainable business. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you all for that. We are... Sadly, at the end of our time together, but this has been so much more 
than I thought it would be. I want to thank Marcos Naja Shahara for giving me this hour of your time because you didn't have to. I appreciate it for myself and for my listeners because I really do this for them. And you gave them lots and lots of good information. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. It's important to me that listeners get real practical resources and tips at the end of the day from this show. So I appreciate you all for coming and giving just that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had fun. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I had a great time. Oh, thank you, Shahara. Thank you. And Naja, thank you. Thank you. I had a great time, too. I couldn't find my mute button. (laughs) It's all right. So, guys, that's a wrap for any of the Employed Entrepreneur episode. I hope that it was informative and entertaining for you. And all of the guest contact info, all of the key takeaways from this episode will be in the show notes when the recording of this show goes up on Friday morning. So you go to the show notes at www.thecandidshop.com, Candid with a K. Look for this episode and the show notes and transcript will be there. So please come back next Tuesday, March 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern for my next live show, which is going to be Trade Secrets Part 2, Investing in Wealth Building Tips and Tools. Last year, I closed the year in December with Trade Secrets Part 1, and it was one of my most downloaded episode. So I thought, let me run that back and do a part two. And we're going to talk about real estate investing, being your own bank, leveraging insurance, all kinds of different ways to invest and build legacy wealth for yourself and your family. So until we meet again, guys, I want you all to keep it safe, keep it healthy and keep it candid.